So if you've got a Bible, can you turn to 1 Peter and uh, chapter 1? Uh, if you're a visitor here, we just started, uh, we broke into our series on the Psalms. There's a big hole there, isn't there? I don't know. Um, and uh, we're uh, uh, just breaking in uh, and to just look at 1 Peter. Then we're going to go back to the Psalms. Thank you. That's filled a, definitely filled a big hole. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If there's any other six foot four people can go and fill a hole, uh, we can do that. So that's what we, we're doing. We're just breaking into that. I'm just going to stick that there. We might need the glasses afterwards. So 1 Peter chapter 1. We're looking at verses 3 uh, to 5. And it, oh, it does work. There we go. So, 1, Ch- 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 5. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for, our sal- for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, uh, well, we ought to just stop and worship there because Denzel's enjoying it. Uh, <laughs> So uh, the goal of my sermon is actually to do with what Denzel was just doing. The goal of my sermon is actually set for me and for you in phrase three of, uh, in, in, in the first phrase, sorry, of verse three. So if you look at it, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's response uh, to God causing his people to be born again, to be uh, raised uh, by Jesus from the dead into a living hope, providing us an imperishable inheritance kept in heaven for us, is to bless God. Bless be God. And that should be our response. That's my response. When I read that, you just want to go, bless be God. It is just outstanding. It was Denzel's response. Hopefully by the end of this, it will be your response. So, and it's interesting that, that what Peter does is that what he's talking about makes him worship and makes him bless God. It's sort of, it's one of those letters that he writes and gets sort of taken up in it as he's writing. He did not have to say to us, um, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you were efficient, that would be a little bit unnecessary. He didn't have to say that. He didn't have to begin by showing us his emotions. That was unimportant in the climate of today. That was just not an important thing. He could have begun by, um, by, in a cool, collected, dispassionate and unemotional way, saying, the reason for my letter is regeneration. And I have several related doctrines uh, of which I would like to discourse with you over the course of this letter. Let me list them for you so that you might know them. He could have started like that, but he didn't. He just didn't. He never did. And I just want to say that, never handle truth like that. Never do that. Never just, just know. Truth is never just so that you would know. 
Peter almost knows what he's going to say, and it's almost as if he knows what he's going to say, and because he knows what he's going to say, it suddenly spurs him into worship and blessing God. It's almost as if the exultation just bursts out of him, the wonder just bursts out of him. His heart is affected. You can imagine him, can't you, uh, writing this down. If you were doing this in the letter of the day, you'd have used font 60, wouldn't you, in this? Blessed God! He sort of bursts out in that sort of thing. And actually, it wasn't something that was just for that moment. If you look in your Bibles in chapter 4 and 11, he does it again, where he says, To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's on one of those moments again. He does it again in 5.11, in the middle of just talking to people about life and all that sort of stuff. He says, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter breaks out with blessing God time and time again. I wonder whether you are a breaker-outer of the blessings of God in your normal life. Peter was. Peter was. Peter, when just writing an ordinary letter, breaks out in worship. It's interesting. Just going to post the letter down the post office. There. And what size stamp would you like? Oh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Can you imagine this? Uh, you know, the bloke comes in to fix the boil, and he, you open the door, and you look at him, and you go, blessed be the God and Father of our... Okay, it's just, you know, do you do this? The product of truth is always blessing God. It is always worship. If it isn't, sort it out, guys. It ought to be. When you read the Bible, does it not inspire you to worship God? Do you not read it and think, I can't read another page, just need to be on the floor with God for a bit. Do you not do that? No? Why not? Why not? This is your life. Why would he break out in what we now know as a doxology? The other answer to that is because they were living in a very different world. We find those uh, to whom he writes as exiles in verse 1. They've been scattered all over the Mediterranean. They're in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. And everywhere they went, for them, life was going to be hard. We stop now and said, hands up those whose life is hard. Theirs is harder. Just so that you know that. Yours is not hard compared with theirs. Yours is very comfortable compared with theirs. Why is that? We'll come into that in a minute. They were believers in Jesus, so they, they were under active persecution. Active. People were pursuing their lives. They were in an unbelieving, hostile world full of a pagan and pagan religions. Life was difficult. They were hated full stop. Hated full stop. They were abused emotionally and physically. In fact, the, 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 air, the air of the day was an acceptable, what we would now call uh, sexual abusing. So the air of the day 
was that people would, that fathers would have slept with their daughters, uh, children would have slept together. It's not unusual. Uh, so it was, they were living in abusive times. It's not that we've got worse here, folks, today. That's not true. Uh, you need to read your Bible and see that. They were living in this time. So they were intimidated. They were troubled all of the time. And they had very little resources to help them with their faith. They didn't have a church to come to like you know. You didn't have those moments where you were left alone. The people knew where these guys lived. That was how it was. We know where you live and we will make your life grim. They were, because of their consequence of their faith, they were poor. Jobs were very hard to come by because you don't employ one of these guys. That was how it was in those days. In fact, uh, the evidence, uh, the evidence as you read this letter, is that it is constant. That is a constant theme. So, in verse six, uh, in this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Peter knows. But here's Peter's point with all these things. The greater reality is always what God has done. The greater reality, the the reality is not your trouble. The reality is God. The reality is Jesus. The reality is the Holy Spirit upon your life. And until you get those in order, then your trouble will always be something that presses in. And Peter's saying, look, the reality is this, is God, the greater reality for them. And the answer to your trouble, worship. Bless God. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? When you are in the depths, bless God. That's the simple thing. So back to our doxology, clearly uh, this life was not good for them. So Peter does this, calls calls for a doxology, a celebration, an exalting praise for God. But what is he exalting? He is exalting the life to come. And we're to learn the sooner, the better. We need to learn that, the sooner, the better, actually. That our best life is not in the here and now. I don't know if you've realized that yet, or even agreed on it in your heart. Your best life is not in this life. It is in the life to come. And that's what the doxology centers on, our certain future, because what it does is it combines with those things of blessing God and and working that out, combines with that, because he knows that it will help them with their trouble. The future helps us with their trouble. I think it was uh, Tim that sort of burst out really spontaneously, you know, well, what what can God do in prayer? It is absolutely true. He got it. He got it in one moment. He got it. He caught it. And I wonder whether you're like that, whether your certain future is here or whether your certain future is in heaven. which, Which are the ones that you are living to? So, okay, Uh, let's work our way through this and let's see whether the product of this can be a little bit of excitement. So very little application apart from let's be excited about these things. They are worthy of it. So the first thing is, here we go, Denzel. We have an inheritance. Oh, thank you. It's going to be like a panto. 
They said, I do the talking, you do the listening. Verse 4. To an inheritance. The word means this, the Greek means this, that we have a fully realized and possessed gift. We have an inheritance. We have a guaranteed, reserved future inheritance that has been determined and established by God. It is an inheritance, folks. I have, we, Callie has had an inheritance. Grandfather is with the Lord. I've got to be careful what I say because this could be listened to. Some of the recipients have had a lot. Callie has had an inheritance. She's been promised, never guess, it will change our lives for a hundred pounds. Yes? And she says, I'm going to spend it. <laughs> Because I, I don't know whether you do this, I'm just, just but, but when you have an inheritance, something like you, I always think, and, and we always have this conversation, you know, should we pay off some of the bills and, you know, that sort of the, and so Callie comes in and she says, I've been thinking about my inheritance, okay, I'm going to spend it. I feel the Lord said she should give it all away, but there you go. <laughs> but there you go. Because it's not my inheritance. What you need to do, over coffee. Ask him what she wants to buy with it. He's really sinful. (laughs) Oh, dear. So we understand, we understand, don't we, a little bit about inheritance. But actually, you understand it from that perspective. But the truth is this, that that when we were talking about an an inheritance to the people that they were writing to, the concepts would have been very different. We understand it from those terms. They would have understood it from an Old Testament term. And the word described inheritance is the same word described for Canaan. And, uh, and uh, the, the inheritance that the promised land, uh, the, of the promised land to the people of Israel. This inheritance of the earthly uh, Israel, the land of Canaan in the promised land, had begun with Abraham, do you remember that? Uh, who became the father of the nation of Israel. But it wasn't realized for a long, long time. There were hundreds of years between the promise to Abraham and the realization of the inheritance. And in a very similar fashion, Peter's saying, look, you, you and I, we're like the children of Israel. We've been brought out of bondage, uh, out of our Egypts, the Egypts of our own sin. We've been brought out of that. And now you like children. You're just wandering around in the desert for a little while. Uh, in the desert called Wrexham for some of you. Oswestry for some of you. Other places that are unpronounceable for others. You're just wandering around. But actually you are living in the desert. This is your desert time. And you will be promised times when the presence of God will be with you as, you as you sort of tabernacle through life and do that. But you haven't yet received your inheritance. Your inheritance is yet to come. But it is reserved for you. It is a promise. Just as, just as Abraham received a promise and said, there will be this land and you will go into this land and you will enter it and you will populate it and live amongst it. You need to know this. There is a land for you. There is a certain land for you. Therefore, there is great hope. 
In fact, he's saying that and saying this so that we would be and they would spontaneously burst into praise. Oh, thank you, Lord, that I have an inheritance. Oh, we need to, and that the idea of it in your Bible is that you would join in with them and, and focus on something that you are yet to possess. You are children of God, and therefore you are heirs. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are waiting to possess an unimaginable eternal inheritance kept in heaven for you. Do you know what? I have no idea of the reality of heaven, really. I've tried to read about it. And sometimes I've tried to read in some great tombs about it. But actually, I have no idea. I can't get beyond what I sort of, the little Lloyd brain can contain. But one thing that I do know is that your brain and your heart will be made perfect in heaven. And you will be able to see and understand and experience such glory that you have never experienced on earth. Isn't that wonderful? Just magnificent. When he gives you, I don't know what this means, but we get crowns, guys. We get given a crown. Eh? I've only ever won one of those things that you sew on your trunks. Do you ever get one of them? Those little yellow things. Did a width. Oh, you know, do you remember those days when you had trunks and you sewed them all up here? And then your mum went on the other side and then after a while they become uncool because you just got the yellow things. Do you remember those things? That's what I want. I get a crown. I get, I get a crown in heaven. Can you imagine? I don't know. Do you ever wonder things like, I wonder how much it will cost? <laughs> do you not think like that? Do you think, do you, do you think you'll be heavy? Oh, hey, hey, that was heavy. Do you not think, I'm going to wear a crown. I'm going to walk around in heaven as a prince would do. That's my inheritance. That's what the crown is all about. He has promised us eternal, perfect ecstasy in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Fed up of the, earth, of the, the world, pinching the term ecstasy. Hey guys, perfect exeter, exeter, exeter is, <laughs> is waiting for you in heaven. It is, it is. Joy, perfect joy is waiting for you. But it's in the midst of trouble that we sort of uh, have to put this into context. You know, I want to say this to you. If you expect too much out of this life, and you put your eggs into this life, this life will steal your joy. It will rob it. This, this life is a thief to you. you. You will live this life. In fact, people do. They live their life being disappointed. Ephesians 1, uh, that I might have the eyes of my heart opened and enlightened, that I may know the hope to which he has called them. Wait for it. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Lord, I I want my eyes opened. I want to be able to see my inheritance, get a glimpse of it, because what I know, Lord, is that I know that this will change everything on earth. Do you know what Paul's praying? He's praying this. 
I want you to get a grip on heaven. I want you to live as if heaven is your best life. (laughs) And then when it comes, when it comes, it won't be a shock for you. Don't let it be a shock. Do you know, I just think this, I have an inheritance. Do you not do you not do this? Do you not do you not do you not want to walk around and just 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 sort of go inheritance? <laughs> oh, come on. You don't want to walk down the knock the door, you know, excuse me. Do you remember those days? Oh, I've got three things that God wants you to know. Do you remember those? Those little tracty things. So just knock on the door, let them open and go, hey, hey, inheritance. Just let them just go, just go again. <laughs> Be, you know, come on, just do it. We better move on because that's not going to work. We have a salvation. Woo-hoo! Oh, come on. What, what is this inheritance we will receive? Verse 5, a salvation or a salvation ready. Hear this, the, preg- the, the word is pregnant. The word is pregnant. Salvation ready, salvation pregnant. Imminent, because it says to be revealed to you in the last time. Oh, we're pregnant, full of heaven. It's going to burst forward, burst out. It's the final aspect of our salvation that we're talking about here there's a past aspect when you believed in christ there's a present that you are being saved from sin you're being sanctified in this world and the final phase of your salvation you will be saved from the presence of sin completely how many of you are cheesed off with sin i am cheesed off with my sin let alone yours I just think, I don't know whether you do, like, it comes out of my mouth sometimes, and, and I think, what did you think first, Nigel? I just, just can, you, can you think of living without sin? That would be just wonderful, wouldn't it? It will not exist in the world to come. You will be delivered fully, fully, finally, from all decay. Whoa! <sighs> No more plastic teeth. Come on. <laughs> You'll be delivered from all sickness, all trouble, all conflict, all pain, all suffering, all grief, all guilt, all sorrow, all anxiety, all tears, all harsh discipline, all hatred, all disappointment, all misunderstanding, all weakness, all failure, all ignorance, all confusion, all perfection, and on and on and on. It's magnificent. That's why we want you to live in the fact that your best, best life is yet to come. Because no matter how, how difficult this life is, we live with this. This is our hope. This is our certainty. So Peter comes and he says, let's praise God for that. But look at this. It's a call to praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you were a Jew, they would greet you in a particular way. I'm not going to use you this week, Silas, so you can stay there. But Silas, <laughs> imagine that you and I are Jews. The first thing that we would say to each other would be, uh, a blessed be God. So I'd say, blessed be God, and you'd say, blessed be God, and that's how we would greet each other. Uh, Psalm 34 does this, says, I bless the Lord at all times. His praise is continually on my mouth. It's what they would do. So they put it into action, as it were. So before you said, hello, Steve, you'd look up and say, 
Blessed be God, Steve. Steve would come after those phrases. You see it in the Psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, was very uh, typical. And, Paul and Peter has borrowed this statement. Bless be God. But there's something here that he wants you and I and them to understand. Because it's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And with that, you get to hear the source of your inheritance. Where does your inheritance come from? Well, it comes from the one who's blessed. That's why he blesses God. And that's why he adores God and praises God. But it also comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, who has enabled and attained this inheritance for you. He has won it for you. You would never have this inheritance if it were not for Jesus. Remember this. You have an inheritance because he saved you, he rescued you, and he bailed you out. You didn't bail yourself out. He bailed you. In fact, you were in the boat, and the boat was sinking, and you were going down, And the Bible calls that the reality of hell. And you were going out. And as much as you tried to bail out, you could not bail out enough. You were never going to do that. Your bucket is not big enough to bail you out. But Jesus comes to earth, steps in your boat, takes the biggest bucket that he could ever give and he wails you out and he pulls you onto firm land and rescues you. You have not earned it. You have not merited it. It is a gift and it is their gift to you. I think Paul has this in mind, doesn't he, in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Don't you love him for that? Don't you love him for, for purchasing an inheritance for you? For giving you something that you did not deserve? For promising you a future salvation that none of us should really have? Look what Jesus has done. So no matter what you're going through now, And no matter what your troubles are, there's something fixed, there's something certain that should change the way that you look at every reality. So no matter what joy that you experience in this life or what trouble you think that you will experience, Jesus changes everything. (laughs) He just does. The reality. But this isn't just what Jesus did for you on the cross. This is the return of Jesus. This is our final salvation. He will return to take us with him. It isn't just that he left. No, he's coming back for you. Isn't that wonderful to think about? That Jesus is coming back for you. (laughs) It's just mad. Oh, dear. So the issue is this. The issue is this. How's your day going to be tomorrow? How's your day going to be? Are you eagerly waiting the coming Jesus Christ? Do you long for the perfect kingdom of God and to be reunited with him and to be closer to him than you ever have in this life, to, to see him and to hear him? 
to have personal fellowship with him? Or are you still a little bit intrigued with your love affair with this world? Are you just thinking, well, I can let this world run its course a little bit and I can have a bit of church. You can do that if you like. And that is the question that will test your authenticity in regard to your faith. It will. Where does Jesus figure? Where does the return of him figure in in your life? Let the Corinthians answer it. They were eagerly awaiting the revelation of Jesus Christ. Eagerly. They were sort of gathering. Is this the day? Is this the day? Is this it? They'd already knew that they were living in the last time. Is this the day? Can you imagine that we'd give, you know, this is, th- we, we'd give out tickets to the, I don't know whether you'd come in actually, you know, uh, at sort of, you know, 11 o'clock, Jesus will return. I don't know what you'd have done. You know, I'd have liked to have gone on, on the back of praise, wouldn't you? I'd like to have gone from worship to perfect worship. That's just me. I'd have liked to have done that. Maybe I'll do that on my own. But if you look at it again, you see, Philippians, they, they're saying this, look, we have a citizenship in heaven, which we are eagerly waiting the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're eagerly waiting for him. 2 Timothy 4.8, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only me, but to all those who love his appearing. That's the issue for us. Do we love not only him, but love the fact that he is coming back. He's coming back. Salvation. Do you bless God for yours? Another one. And we have mercy. You're flagging. We have mercy. Thank you. The source is God. The work is Jesus And why would he do this? According to his great mercy. What a wonderful statement. You and I needed a great mercy. We didn't need a shy one. We needed a great one. And here is elsewhere in in Scripture, divine mercy is closely um, related to God's pity, his compassion, his tenderness, his loving kindness. God is a God of pity, compassion, tenderness. All those have come to us. All those are given to an undeserving people. We are rich in God's mercy. It has come to us. Micah chapter 7 verse 18. He delights in mercy. He delights in it. Psalm 103. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. His mercy has been placed on you and it will continue to be for you. Psalm 108 verse 4. God's mercy is far above the heavens. That's wonderful. It's infinite. It's magnificent. 2 Corinthians 1.3 He is the Father of mercies. How is he treating you with his mercy? With a stick. No. As a father. He's the Father of mercies. Your mercy has come to you through a father. Not, not through some sort of person that's going to beat you for your sin. No. Not at all. Not right. Grace comes. No, come on. The Father extends mercies. Don't you love that? You have a Father who's giving you mercy. You rotten, 
horrible sinner. Don't do that again. No. Come here. Come here, Rupert. <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> That's what, one way. Rupert. <laughs> Do you know that you are a, a sinner? Yes. Rue, I love you. I so love you. You are fully accepted. You are chosen. Your mercy, it's my pleasure to plant on you. I just want you to know everything about my tenderness for you. You, I am a father of mercies. And you are my son. That's how it comes. Titus 3. He saved us according to his mercy. Ephesians, God rich in mercy. Verse 7. In the ages to come, he might extend uh, his riches uh, of his grace in his kindness, in his mercy. But please know this. Standing at the center of those mercies, standing alone is the splendid revelation of his mercy. The cross. It's the mercy of the cross. We should never get away from the cross, should we? What, what is new every morning? His mercies. What does that mean? It means the cross. It means what he's done. What's, what, don't you agree with that? Do you agree? What, how do you get the new mercy? You come back to the cross. How do you do that? You just come back to <laughs> Lord, the cross. What do you wake up in the morning? The cross. Go to bed at night. The cross. Eat your, what we're we eating at the moment? Red and green weeks. Well, I know, I've been made to lose weight. <laughs> so I have these salad. The cross. <laughs> it just is. God. What, what mercy of God? Sending his one and only son into a world of hate, shame, to a bitter death. You know, if we should ask, why would the enemy ever prevail over the church? Why, would, uh, why is a single child never lost to God? Why am I able to get up in the morning and fulfill my position in God? <laughs> one answer will be this. Christ and his cross. It is the Lord of mercy in Jesus Christ who has redeemed us, justified us, delivered us, sanctified us, liberated us, preserved us and will glorify us. We're in hope of God's mercy. As far as the return of Christ is concerned, as far as the events of Judgment Day are concerned, there's only this, that we c- this is our strength, that we will be treated with the same mercy as we've always been treated with. How will you enter heaven? By mercy. Don't, does that make me want to bless God? Oh, dear. Also, we'll go through this fast, because I'd like to worship. It's a living hope. Oh, you get it. It's a, it's a living out, yeah. 
Yeah. I really like being a Christian. <laughs> so I was brought amongst them. That was it. Was. It's really great to worship the Lord. The source of God and Father of his, our Lord Jesus Christ. The motive is at the merciful heart. And what is the means of our inheritance? How do we appropriate our, have, uh, our inheritance? Well, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, here it is, has caused us to be born again. I am a new creation. Yes. Look at it. Admire it. Wonder at it. Disagree, but the Bible tells me I am. I'm a new creation. The old has gone. It is no longer part of me. I am a completely different being. I am spiritual through and through. I am eternal through and through. Take the body, but the soul will be in heaven. Because I am born again. God did it. Let me just race through some of these things. You may cheer at the end of each one, but not too much. One wouldn't want to have any accidents and have to go to the toilet through excitement. Please do not get overexcited about the Lord. My goodness. Okay, what does it mean to be born again? Everybody cross your legs. I was dead in my trespasses and sins in, in the great love in which he loved me. He made me alive together with Christ. I did not raise myself from the, from the dead. God raised me. I was spiritually non-existent. According to the Bible, I was a no thing, not even created. But when God created a new person, I became a new person in Christ. I didn't create myself. God did all this. I was blind to spiritual things. Flesh and blood did not help me. The Father in heaven mercifully, sovereignly opened my eyes to see Jesus and the living God. God has caused me to see him and to wonder at him and acknowledge this truth. Thank you. (laughs) They're not going to rush to the toilet, are they, Fleur? But you might. I was, in, I was in utter spiritual darkness. It was like, do you remember that? This is our spiritual condition. Read Genesis chapter 1. Darkness was over all the deep. God made light. That's why in 2 Corinthians it says this, Let light shine out of darkness, shine in my heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God burst into my life with light. This was dark, evil, rotten, stenching, stinking, and God brought righteousness and light to me. My goodness. Do you know what? My mum and dad told me about truth, and I'm eternally pleased for that. My pastor, David Robinson, planted and watered the word like heck. And I was naughty. But it was God that brought life and made it grow. 
God brought life. I actually was self-willed, rebellious, proud, independent, going out my way, and never in a hundred years would I have come to Jesus. How did I come to Jesus? Well, he drew me. (laughs) He did a work. No one can come to, to the Father unless... Uh, sorry, let me do that. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. I was a part of a supernatural, eternal work of God. I had no repentance in my own heart, no sorrow for my own sin. I had no passion for change, but God graciously granted me the, the joy of repentance and led me into a knowledge of his truth. I had no faith. I had no desire to look what the world thinks at this pathetic weakling who is dependent on other things. That's the way the world views you. You are a pathetic weakling. You just depend on something else. Stand up, man, and be a man. I didn't desire anything. I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to do this job. I'm an engineer, for heaven's sake, Silas. I didn't really want to do this. What happened? God broke in. Granted me to believe. Save me by faith. It was a gift of God. I believed. It wasn't my own choice. He caused me to believe. And what happened? It was a gift of God and I received. I was born again. John 1.13 I was born not of blood, not of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. But by God. And Peter says, God in his great mercy has caused us to be born again. God did it. Lest you should ever boast. Don't boast. (laughs) Dear, do please do that. Do you know, I am born again. Therefore, I qualify for my inheritance. That's the wonder. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you caused me to be born again. Lord, I I just want to say to you, I, I was an utter idiot and fool. But you broke into my life. I want to thank you for for the way in which you saved me. Lord, I did not appreciate being born into a Christian family. I hated the principles of my mom and dad. Lord, they, they were stench to me. I wanted to grow up and get out of it. I hated it in every way, shape and form. Lord, the world seemed to be the place of liberation and freedom for me. And I know that's where I was headed. That I wanted to get in there and enjoy what the world could, ha- could offer for me for the three schools years and ten that I will live but no you had other ideas you broke into my life you spoke into me you saved me you brought me into your life you given me inheritance you caused me to be born again Jesus thank you so much you're a great God hallelujah and finally before I stop worshipping oh where's it gone it's died Windows 7. <laughs> Phil's on his way round. It's a living hope. Living hope. Shorter, Nigel. It's a living hope. We have a, it's a living hope means that it will never die. In fact, it's far better than, than that, than I can imagine. What's the nature of your inheritance? It is an in, inheritance which is, and here's the description, imperishable undefiled and unfading. Isn't that wonderful? This is something... Oh, this is something 
that has to be other than worldly, as it were. Because everything in the world is perishable. Everything that you do, everything that you purchase, everything you have is defiled and will fade away. Everything. Everything, folks. Everything in this created universe is touched by the fall and by sin. It perishes. It gets messed up. It diminishes. It fades away. That's the truth of what you have, isn't it? I, I, I know this is a very um, silly sort of uh, arrangement, but as you probably know, that I, I have a little tiny obsession with white trainers. <laughs> it, is, it, is, um, it is part of my, you know, and, and I have bought a new pair. <laughs> and yesterday, I was going to wear them for the leader's day, because I thought this would increase my anointing. And as you know, this is, uh, and somebody even suggested that they were very 80s and they needed to change. I thought it was very harsh. Because I like, I've not bought a new pair. And do you know why I've not wear them? It's a little mucky yet. (laughs) Because they just look so lovely in the box. (laughs) They look so nice. Why would I want to bring them out? There's mud out there. It is. And we live in Wales, it just rains. So I'm going to leave them in the box and admire them. So, see, it all does do this. But I want you to also hear this, that this is also a military term because it is, in a military sense, uh, it, was a, it, was, it is also describing uh, a, an, an, a, an, a, a sort of fortress or an army that actually is... That ha- that is you are unable or have not got the ability to ever break down. We are the army of God. What does that mean? We are the army of God. It means that you can never be ravaged by an invading enemy. That's what what that means. Heaven will never be attacked. Isn't that wonderful? And the other side of it is that this is permanent. This is temporary. That's why in verse 24, the grass and the flowers, and they wither and fade. <laughs> uh, our inheritance will never fade. I want you to imagine the best Valentine's flowers that you will get, ladies, tomorrow, I will promise. <laughs> the word of the Lord is. Okay? That's guilt. I can see that. <laughs> That's just guilt. Thank you, Lord, for that prophetic word. Lord, help him to be, have the strength to do this. by tomorrow. So just do uh, the... But I want you to, I want you to, yeah, look, it's just, the truth is, he's now gone red, which actually does mean that that's the truth. <laughs> if I work on this, Joe, it could get bigger. So, so let's just forget mercy. Just keep going. No mercy. No mercy extended to peace. Anyway, I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine those 50 roses that you will buy. Yeah. Well, okay, go beyond. God is gracious. But I don't know whether you're like this. What we do know, girls, and this is true in it, that this time of the year that people, we buy these roses in, don't we? At this time of year, they're kept in freezers. They bring them all out. And, and they're wonderful at the time. Very deep red roses. I've been into Sainsbury's, very deep red roses. But you know this, don't you? That in just a week's time, they, they will go bad, won't they? They will just actually droop. And they will go like this. 
Heaven will never for everything that you look at will be without defect forever. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> Including you, by the way. You'll be perfect forever. And the surroundings, perfect forever. Isn't that just wonderful? I, it's, oh, come on. <laughs> and that's kept for you. It's going to be kept for you. He's keeping that for you. He said, I'm going to keep that for you. Don't you bless God in despite of your weaknesses and despite the struggle that's, that, that heaven is being kept for you? <laughs> I just want to finish on this thing. Perhaps the musicians could come up. This living hope is secured for us in heaven. And the reason that you've got it is that you've got it because of the power that was made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do you get this? You get it not just through the mercy, but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the dead. What does this mean? No resurrection, no inheritance. No resurrection, no eternal hope. No, no resurrection, no heaven. No resurrection, no salvation. But the stupendous events that has happened, John 14 verse 19, because I live, you will live also. I live, I live, because he is risen. Thank you, Jesus. The resurrection proved to you and I that we have an inheritance. How many times do you read in the Bible, God raised, God raised, Jesus was raised from the dead. All that we can know. We can know this because of the resurrection. Why did Jesus make so much about proving himself to so many people at such a time? Why did he do that? He did that so that we know that the effect of the resurrection and the fact of the resurrection would be something that is in our blood. You can look at the resurrection and say, because Jesus died, I will live and I will live forever. Amen? Amen. Okay. Do something with that then. On, on, on roses. Yeah, no. If anybody would like to uh, ring Phil throughout the day just to help him, that'd be fine.